So, Reed, someone said to me over the last week, they said, I'll be with you in just a jiffy. Like the peanut butter? No, no. Uh, (laughs) But have you heard that term, jiffy? Yeah. Did you know that jiffy is actually a unit of time? Whoa, really? Yeah. In computer science, jiffy precisely defines what is tied to timer interruptions or the duration of one tick of a timer interrupt. It's basically about one to 10 milliseconds is a jiffy. Wow. Okay. I'd have made it a little longer of a period of time than that, I think. I mean, a jiffy, I feel like I'm in a small town. A jiffy is like between now and lunch next Tuesday. With jiffy lube, jiffy apparently means 4,800 seconds or 80 minutes because that was the approximate amount of time it took them to change my oil the last time I was there. Oh, well, there you go. That's the problem with adding like a specific unit of time to your name of your company. I mean, don't even get me started on urgent care. We're going to open a bunch of Jiffy Cares across the Midwest. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 349. Chris, we are almost at 350. That seems like a big deal. We'll be there in a jiffy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to another episode as the aforementioned 349th episode. That's Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Excited that you're here. Before we get started with today's show, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Touchpoint.health is where you can find out more about this show but maybe more importantly, sign up for the TPS report, which is simply one email, comes out on Monday mornings, five articles to start your week. Hopefully that's a little value add. Would love for you to pop over there and do that. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. We'll pause here, let you do that, and then be back to talk a little bit about digital strategy and all kinds of fun stuff. So right for this break. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. So Reed, you and I talk about digital a lot in healthcare and in the hollowed halls of our health systems, I guess they're not, they're virtual halls now. The term digital strategy or the the concept of a digital strategy is used in multiple different ways. And over the course of the last couple of years, I think you and I are narrowing it down to basically 
three digital strategies that are really impacting healthcare today, which is transformation, digital experience, and digital innovation. Maybe it's on-demand halls. <laughs> yes, sorry, I digress. Yes, so digital transformation, digital experience, and digital innovation, all things that really influence what we do. You know, it's not that that's in and of itself what you do, but it's either what you're striving for influences around kind of how you do your job. And these three things also are interrelated. Let's first start off by sharing a brief overview of what these things actually mean, right? Defining. I'm always big about defining things. So in my mind, digital transformation in healthcare is using digital to fundamentally change how healthcare is delivered. And that could be anything from implementing a new EHR or using AI to diagnose diseases. The focus is fundamentally on changing delivery. And the audience is patients, healthcare providers, and payers. The second one, digital experience, we most commonly talk about this as a seamless experience, hopefully positive, but the experience nonetheless that a patient has uh, within our healthcare system, for example. How easy is it to book appointments, get test results, you know, communicate with their provider, search for and find care, book care, you know, that kind of thing. Again, the focus being creating that seamless experience for patients, uh, maybe even healthcare providers, depending on what audience you're talking about. So that could be not just patients, not just providers, could be payers, could be employers. There's a lot of different audiences here. And then our third strategy is digital innovation. And that's really about developing new and improved digital products, services, or even business models, entire business models. This could involve everything like creating new ways to diagnose and treat diseases or developing new ways to manage patient care. The audience here is patients, healthcare providers, payers, like you said, employers can be here too, but also researchers, clinical researchers can be part of that. And a great example is a startup develops a new AI-powered diagnostic tool that can detect diseases more accurately and earlier than traditional methods, and then they launch it within a health system, and maybe they even co-partner taking this into the market together. Like we mentioned, the, all three of these are interrelated, uh, maybe happen in parallel, maybe you're all part of the same effort, for example. But digital transformation can lead to improving the experience of a, of a patient or a consumer. But innovation can also be used to support transformation or evolutions of different experiences and things like that. So I think it's not one without the other. Yeah, they're all interrelated. But if you can kind of categorize it, it helps a little bit to understand how you're going to approach or tackle that strategy. So let's, for the rest of the episode today, Reed, let's do a deeper dive on each one of these and try to do a state of the state. The first thing we'll talk about is digital transformation. We found an article by Walters Kluwer. They are a consultative company, and they created an article called The Digital Transformation of Healthcare Organizations. And it actually is based on a research study that was done by IDC called U.S. Healthcare Provider Technology and Connected Health Survey. And they shared some of the results. So let's dig into that. This is an interesting group. I've downloaded some of their white papers over the years and and different things. So again, you may find some other components on their website, but some roadblocks uh, that they initially found. So findings from the IDC research indicate that healthcare providers are prioritizing goals related to enhancing patient outcomes while addressing larger systemic issues to mitigate unwarranted care variations. 
However, the implementation of clinical effectiveness solutions alone cannot remedy the ongoing decline in patient care. So that's interesting, right? It is a priority, patient outcomes, for example, but implementing clinical effectiveness solutions alone or in and of themselves do not remedy all of this. Yeah, the big point here is to design your transformation approach seamlessly with existing workflows and really trying to offer consistent evidence-based clinical information through it all, right? Data and analytics is a big part of this. They actually outline, this article outlines five business goals that transformation is trying to address. And they kind of rank order, again, from the survey. Mm-hmm. Number one is quality improvement. 34.5% of people that have taken this survey have indicated that's the main goal of their transformation strategy. Number two on the list is improving patient safety, 32%. Then comes medical equity, diversity, inclusion, and cultural competency. That makes number three on the list at just over 30%. Enhanced patient experience, okay, here's where patient experience overlaps, right, is number four, 29%. And then lastly, improved access to care, which I would argue is patient experience as well, is 27.4%. Well, you know, we're mostly, those of you that are listening, I'm, uh, I'm sure, maybe not really all that involved in quality or patient safety, Maybe some of the equity and inclusion pieces, but most squarely, I think this hits home around, you mentioned, you know, patient experience or consumer experience and then, you know, access, you know, that, that seems to be where probably we participate the most. They kind of point out that the enhancement of consistent care requires comprehensive solutions that can scale end to end across care teams and patient journeys, right? So we're really looking at two major groups that are the target of the top five initiatives that are here, the patients themselves and the care teams delivering the care to those patients. And they point out this could influence also clinical collaboration platforms, drug referential information, medical information, and a variety of things, including meeting that heightened patient engagement demand. That's interesting. Because they call out that the influx of all this new data, research requirements, misinformation even exacerbate the adoption of some of this clinical technology. So they underscore the need for trustworthy healthcare technology, as they put it. And, you know, and that technology really has to, a, a big part of, and again, we'll have a link at the show notes. You can go click through, they have a whole white paper you can download about this. But they also do a double click on the fact that a big part of this health technology is around harmonizing the care experience for the workers, for the providers themselves. Mm. And which is a big thing if you think about it in today's day and age, right? Because we're having a lot of dissatisfaction with our employees, with the nurses and the doctors. So if you can align care across a continuum, that helps better team judgment, improve decision-making, increase staff satisfaction. It could also make them more efficient in the work that they do. It also meets that healthcare consumerism demand about helping to calm down the dissatisfaction among patients and clinicians, many of them who are burdened right now with a lot of like overwork, like a lot of paperwork, staff shortages, access issues, et cetera. They go on to talk about the impact of the clinical effectiveness solutions on the healthcare system. I was hoping we would get past talking about COVID, but we're still, we, we are still referencing it from time to time, I guess. But it said that the pandemic made it clear that technology plays a vital role in healthcare. I mean, we saw that, you know, certainly with the adoption of, you know, virtual care and, you know, some of those types of things that people just had to do, right? So they're talking here about the fact that many organizations are now kind of recalibrating, as they put it, their future development roadmaps, including 
or to, I guess, be inclusive of more, you know, digital technologies, automated workflows, et cetera. The aforementioned virtual care, that kind of thing. Also, this is where advanced analytics and AI-driven solutions are coming into play, particularly now. Fostering innovation, generating, oh, there it is. Now we're talking about innovation, right? Transformation can lead to innovation, generating better predictive models, capabilities, that sort of thing. I don't think there's one health system in the country right now that doesn't have digital transformation as part of their strategic plan because it's very, very critical. And they kind of wrap this up by talking about that providers are, you know, facing newer disruptions, including, you know, workforce shortages, inflation, supply chain constraints, reduced budgets, you know, et cetera. Everything that I'm sure everybody listening is working through as we speak, but the strategic response to these challenges is investment in workflow and clinical effectiveness solutions that uh, they say can yield uh, these tangible benefits. So that's digital transformation, right? Looking at how do we operate better? How do we operate more efficiently? How do we do more with less through digital solutions? How do we adopt different technologies in the, in the play? How do we improve the patient experience and the provider experience? That's digital transformation. This is that adage that you hear some about being digital versus doing digital, you know, right. kind of thing. So that's really what we're talking about here. Really what it is. Okay, so we define digital transformation. Gave kind of a state of the state here. After the break, let's come back and let's talk a little bit about digital experience. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so now let's jump into the experience side of the equation. We've got an article that we'll we'll rattle through here from our friends uh, over <laughs> at uh, over at McKinsey called "Driving Growth Through Consumer Centricity in Healthcare." They kick off by talking about this rising consumer centricity in the United States as a force that will virtually change all of the consumer facing industries. This is where we start comparing to the expectation that people have because of what they're doing in the rest of their day-to-day. Absolutely. And it says that our industry is confronting this imperative. So it sounds a little ominous. McKenzie, great group. They have done a lot of research around this and they revealed that consumers are obviously placing a higher priority on wellness than in their past while expressing continued frustration with the existing healthcare system. That right. doesn't sound well for us, Reed. <laughs> it sounds like a, a, a bit of a challenge. So yeah, we are confronting this head on. Meanwhile, incumbent health systems are facing a host of vexing challenges themselves, including record inflation costs, right? Supply chain disruptions, workflow shortages, and the growing presence of tech-enabled disruptors in our marketplace. So kind of paints a dire picture here. They go on to say that 90% of executives that they surveyed and 100%, if you want to zoom into the, the chief marketing 
you know, kind of label, identify healthcare consumerism as the top priority for the company. To achieve these objectives, these incumbents are looking at, no surprise here, retail, tech, other sectors as inspiration. And I mean, inspiration, yes, but we also have those industries coming into our industry specifically, right? So it's not just, hey, let's go look at how Walmart thinks about their consumer. It's how does Walmart think about healthcare and the healthcare consumer, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to kind of stratify this. They talk in here about that there's eight discrete journeys that define the end-to-end consumer healthcare experience. This is interesting now. So this is, they actually took the healthcare consumerism journey and broke it out into eight discrete journeys. And they actually did a, a study on this too, to find out exactly how patients are feeling about all of this or potential patients, healthcare consumers. So let's go through the eight first, Reed. Um, I'll do the first four, you do the second four. The first four, getting coverage getting coverage for care. That's an interesting one that we don't talk about a lot on the show. Understanding your healthcare benefits, what's covered, what's not, that sort of thing, who's in your network. Finding care, right? So we know about that. We've talked about that. And then four is receiving that care. Then it's about the follow-up, right? So they've received care. So now it's following up with a provider. It's, uh, you know, the prescription, you know, managing and, and filling prescriptions. It's then kind of managing going, ongoing health conditions and then saving and, and paying for care. I think what's interesting is that four of these, getting coverage, understanding benefits, finding care, and then saving and paying for care are all of high importance, they say. Yet there is a level, a deep level of not being satisfied. Yeah, they have a really interesting chart in this article. So click through to see it because it shows you where they rank it. Well, and what's interesting, though, is that that all of these journeys take place either before or after the actual care delivery. So all things that we're looking, we, you know, those of you listening for the most part are concerned with. And this is the place where we always keep saying, right, marketing has a key role at the table. That's because we typically focus on the before the care journey and then the after the care journey. Digital transformations we described prior, it was more about what's happening within the the hollowed halls, right? Or the on-demand halls, as you call it, within our organization. But now consumerism is being impacted at the top of the funnel and at the the loyalty engagement funnel, so to speak, in general, right? One of the biggest things too, they also highlight here is that care deferral is having a significant impact on this dissatisfaction. And we'll just do a really quick deep dive into here. The article that we link to goes into it a little bit further, but they kind of illustrate that there are a lot of populations, specifically middle-aged immigrants, urban residents, households with children, and those unsatisfied with their primary care physicians, that they are deferring care. And the more they defer care, that has a big impact on us in the care delivery world. In the EDs and the urgent cares, they show up. And guess what? They show up with already pre-existing negative perceptions of their experience. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, hey, if you if you postpone care, well, when you ultimately then need it, where are you going to go? You're going to you know some sort of emergency or urgent care site, somewhere you can get in quick. Well, does anybody like going to those places? No, not particularly. So 
that's where they talk about here that thus the patient who defers care end up in places that have the least satisfying result in, in a lot of cases, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know, if we just kind of cut to the chase here, it's an interesting point. What does that mean for us? Well, we need to be engaging and re-engaging consumers to make sure that, you know, they're not deferring care basically, right? And so we can better control what that experience looks like. They then go on to talk about reimagining the the healthcare journey. So addressing consumers' evolving expectations is difficult. Like, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the expectation that they reference here is really has nothing to do with healthcare. It's the rest of their life and how they live life, right? What the expectation is. So they talk about the fact that addressing these pain points can unlock better outcomes and that satisfied consumers are less likely, they say even 10 percentage points less likely to uh, put off care, uh, and that routine care is 14 points higher, inpatient care 13 percentage points less than the, the, the unsatisfied uh, consumer. So this is about understanding the journey and engaging those folks along that journey. Yeah, they highlight two examples of how some innovative health systems are kind of addressing this. But then they outline sort of like a framework that you could take. And so let me, let's, let's quickly, you and I will take one of the two examples here, just quickly touch on it, but I'd love to get to the framework here. So the first is transparent healthcare billing. Nearly all consumers rate payment experiences the key factor to deciding whether to return to a provider. Cost is now playing a role. More than one third of consumers are unsatisfied with the lack of alignment between their bill and their explanation of benefits. Focusing on that to improve the billing journey, I never heard that term before, the billing journey, but improve the billing journey through transparency and other other ways is going to help a lot. And then they talk about consumers that are in, in power or feel engaged in, in managing their wellness. So according to one industry leader, they say at-home care plans offered via digital tools can more easily connect with consumers that they care and address those concerns and, and able to do that where they may struggle to secure transportation to in-person medical care. Easily accessible preventative wellness programs in which a patient is connected to a personal health coach can engage consumers early and often in their journey and reduce the likelihood of future surgical interventions and seeking out emergency care. Really great example of if you don't wait to the last minute or you don't leave things unattended. There's a lot less you have to do acutely at some point in time, right? I mean, this is not, this is true in a lot of other things in life, right? I mean, if you mow your grass every week, then it's a lot easier than if you wait and do it twice a year. Mackenzie wraps up a section. And by the way, Mackenzie has a lot of additional materials that they link to here. So click on the link in the show notes to get a little bit more out of this. But they wrap it up with four different things that they say healthcare companies should consider taking action on to improve the experience. First is to define a common purpose and deeply commit to serving those unmet consumer needs. Consumers regularly point to consumer-focused companies and other sectors as an example of what they want healthcare to be like. That includes things like personalization of offerings and services, value-based pricing, and even an elevated experience. So make sure that you, you're looking to define that common purpose of what your digital experience strategy is going to do. Next, they talk about understanding the customer. Today's healthcare consumer needs a healthcare system that will get them the care that they need from providers they trust 
with a goal of supporting their health as a whole. Although specifics vary wildly by consumer segments, which that is very true, certain design pillars can provide a foundation on which healthcare companies can build and satisfy. So they talked about these pillars, including providing you know, convenient access, making things affordable, equitable care, transparency around the information, and providing incentives uh, that support consumers' actual involvement and engagement. That's interesting to think about providing incentives to get them to be healthier. The third thing they outline is to focus on what matters and measure it. I think you and I have said something like that before in a, a dozen times on this show, if not more. A deeper understanding of your consumer needs and expectations. You can then focus on what matters most to them. And this is highly dependent on whatever population segment you're trying to reach through your experience. With this full understanding of the consumers and your markets, you have to do a lot of research, you have to do market segmentation, but you can get some deep insights to address and meet those trends that they're seeing in healthcare consumerism. And then finally, they talk about uh, disruption and specifically to disrupt internally. So rather than waiting for solutions to pop up, uh, incumbents can consider making the necessary changes themselves, they say. So the pace of innovation in healthcare may continue to increase, certainly with all the private equity and VC-backed uh, investment. But look for ways that you know you can disrupt yourself before you find yourself being disrupted, maybe. Which, by the way, that's a really nice lead-in to the next section. We're going to do a little bit of deep dive into digital innovation. Let's take a brief break, Reed, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the future of digital innovation, primarily through the lens of digital health, right after this pause. So we've talked about transformation. We've talked about experience. We showed how they kind of interrelate. And you can also see that those two strategies, digital strategies, also relate to the third major strategy, which is around digital innovation. We found a great article here called The Future of Digital Health. It's by the Boston Consulting Group, another great research firm and and consultancy firm. They highlight again, here we go, talk about the pandemic. The pandemic is like sort of like one of those things, Reed, that it's going to go down as being a big milestone that changed things. And I think it's going to transform our industry significantly. But during the pandemic, digital health options led to opportunities for physicians to reach patients through telemedicine and remote monitoring. We know that. It also paved the way for new approaches to providing better care. And not surprisingly, the money followed that through investments. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's like never waste the opportunity, right? So investment certainly followed this because they saw what the consumer input and and feedback was. And so even though it may have slowed down a little bit, they say that, you know, there are some non-traditional players that made, you know, really big moves into the healthcare market, partnering with traditional folks, even uh, to create new channels and markets that advance this hybrid care environment, as they call it. So as we look into 2023, many trends in digital health uh, that the pandemic inspired will continue to you know, gain some traction. We'll talk about a couple of those. But again, these are not things that are going to go away. I'll kind of jump into this first one, but the shifting side of care uh, we'll continue. We'll continue to see that, right? So we talk a lot, and they talk in here about the home-based healthcare will continue to grow, uh, grow and gain momentum. They talk about relative to the baby boomer population and those types of things. But you know, you you hear about hospital at home, which is not the same as like home-based healthcare, right? And this is this is not hospice per se, although that I guess it's all kind of part of it. But it's just. 
you know, do you need to be an inpatient? Yes or no. Do you need to be an inpatient as long as you has historically had been an inpatient? Yes or no. You know, so it's like, you know, what, what types of care and what, what are those models and how can we move this into the home? I can't speak for everybody, but I would rather be at my house than yeah. in the hospital. So just taking that sentiment alone, this is going to be an area that continues to evolve and change. And this is being driven by us as patients, right? This is a consumerism trend, actually, if you think about it. It also kind of bleeds into these alternative care models and new entrants into the healthcare space. Like think about not only CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart, which we hear about all the time, but a Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, all of these organizations have a specific strategy to provide different ways that patients can actually access and enter into the healthcare space. Now, we in health systems, we have to learn how to not only be defensive against these entrants, but also in some cases, partner with them in order to provide that better care experience, because those entrants, those disruptive entrants are just parts of the overall customer journey or the patient journey. We are also a big part of that patient journey. So one of the things they point out in this article is that you have to you know, develop strategies to respond to and also align with these disruptors. All right. New term alert on this last one here. They call it women's health uh, here, right? Which is nothing new. I mean, that's always been something that we've looked at and done and paid attention to. But they talk about it attracting attention and investment. And actually, maybe I'm just new to the game here, but femtech, so products and solutions that address women's health, not fintech, not the financial tech stuff, but that, that will grow at a rapid pace. Not surprisingly, I mean, these are big buyers of of services. And so how do they create and grow this space to really develop items and and services that women would want and need? That's an interesting uh, specific segment, right, to think about. Tech advances, digital health, digital innovation advances are going to unlock many opportunities here in our space. Virtual reality is one that they're kind of looking at maybe to treat mental health conditions, embracing use cases for digital twins in clinical trials, operations, and disease modeling, even pushing for smarter clinical development and organizations using generative AI solutions in developing therapeutics and analyzing data and identifying patterns. There's a lot of tech-related advancements that are really focusing on solving healthcare in a, in a variety of different ways, not only from making us more effective, but also reducing consumers' required out-of-pocket spending for healthcare, which I think is ultimately the component here that we need to address. Our industry, in general, is a big part of the GDP. And what we need to do is we need to figure out ways to make healthcare delivery in the United States that much more affordable. And that hits many different areas. Did you say chat G- GDP? Chat GDP. That's something that we need to create. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a note. You heard it here first, guys, on Touchpoint. Hey, hurry and get that URL before <laughs> somebody. There'll be lots of improvement. This is a big space. There's a lot of money. You know, We're going to see those digital tools evolve and change. You're going to see the private equity and VC money come in. There's a lot of topics that are heightened and and people are tackling, you know, they call it mental health services in here, for example, you know, the behavioral health space, that kind of thing. 
remote patient monitoring, chronic care management, all the SDOH pieces. These things have people's attention, uh, which means there's going to be money there. As we see some of that shift and change, a couple of things they call out here that the focus of digital health investments will move from top line growth to profitability following the number of big bets made in recent years, as well as, you know, pharma IT will become more attractive to some health tech companies, given the current need for more of a comprehensive or industry specific digital solution. And then there'll be, as you might imagine, some strategic investments and probably more importantly, some M&A in this arena that will bring financial investors to pull back somewhat. But all in all, digital innovation is a big cornerstone digital strategy that Every health system is also looking at it. It may not be the core of what they're doing. Most of them are doing transformation. Many of them are focusing on digital experience strategies, but digital innovation is that third big strategy that we're seeing in our space. There you go, Reed. That was sort of our like high-level overview of the three major digital strategies we're seeing in our space. Do we miss any? And maybe we ask our, our listeners, do we miss any? Are there other big strategies that cannot be kind of categorized under these three major buckets, we'd love to hear from you. Outside of transformation, experience, and innovation, what else would you put in there? So be curious, reach out to us. Okay, so with that, we'll be back right after this break to give some recommendations and close out the show. All right, well, another great episode. Again, outside of transformation experience and innovation, what else would you put in there? Would love to kind of hear your thoughts uh, as you think about evolving what it is that you do, your role, your organization, the industry, you know, just personal opinion, whatever it may be. Reach out to Chris or myself. LinkedIn is probably the best way to do that. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. Sign up for the TPS report, five articles, a little value add each week. I hope you find that interesting and useful. All right. Before we wrap up the show, recommendations, what do you got? Reed, my little guy here at home is now crawling around the house and he's getting his way to walk in all of the house. And you know what that means? It's time for baby proofing the house. Uh Uh-oh. My wife and I, we started putting together like, you know, different things that we're going to be doing to try to approach it. And I'm trying to always find creative ways to solve our different problems from a baby proofing. And in this particular case, what I noticed is around my desk, around her desk, we both work from home, also around where the TV station is. We have so many cables, right? Mm -hmm. There's cables Mm -hmm. everywhere. And, you know, they have cable protectors. They have like things that you could do where it's like a big rubber mat that you could put over your cables and have the cables run underneath of them. They have things that you could tack up against the wall, like little plastic shields or whatever, where you can run your cables through if you want to. But the one cable solution that I think that we love the most that I actually found is a wire loom tubing cable. And what this is, is like a black mesh tubing that's in a circle You basically run all your cables through it. It wraps around it. It's very soft. It's very pliable. And it protects from babies pulling out your your cables or messing into the cables. It also, by the way, protects against animals biting your cables, just so you know. Okay. We got a bunch of this. And you could buy it in 10 feet or 12 feet or like a variety of different lengths that you could just cut. It's really easy to cut and custom make it. Turns around corners pretty easily. It runs from the outlets to your desks. And our little little guy, he just sees it. He kind of tugs on it a little bit, but he doesn't disrupt any of the cables. He doesn't pull anything out, all of that. I thought it was great. I, th- I was going to recommend it anyway. And then I went to a virtual, like one of these like WeWork type of office spaces, like a kind of a, like office space. And I realized 
They did it themselves with all the cabling and, and AV infrastructure. They were using the exact same technology. So you have to invest in this. If you have a cables around your house and you want to clean them up a little bit, you want to make them work a little bit, I recommend the one I got was off of Amazon, the Alex Tech 10-foot half-inch cord protector wire looming tubing cable. It's a sleeve split sleeving for any type of cables that you can run in. Right now I have one that has about six or seven cables that run through it. Very clean, very tidy. I got the 10-foot. It was only about eight bucks and I could cut it custom for the length that I want. And I'm going to tell you, I had so much great success with it. I'm going to do it all around my house for anywhere there's cables, even in the kitchen, even in you know other places. So if you're looking to contain your cables for whatever reason, not just because you have a new little one running around your house, but to protect against pets or just make it look very clean and neat, that's my recommendation. Very nice. I like it. I like it. Well, I am going to recommend an experience. Uh, it's college football season. Go to a college football game. Preferably in the Southeast, in the Southeastern Conference. I feel like the experience of being on campus in the pageantry, it's just really hard to beat. I think it's something about the weather this time of year, maybe another week or two, but the weather this time of year plus college football, I don't know. There's just something about it that's just, I can't explain. It's tough to beat. It's not that I dislike professional football, but I don't really care all that much about any of those teams or what they're doing. (laughs) I think once we get closer to the playoffs, that's cool. But man, I'm telling you, there's just something about it being on campus and just, it's just fun. It's just fun. So pick a team if you don't have one. Go somewhere where the school is about all that's in the town. So Oxford, Mississippi. Auburn, Alabama, Athens, Georgia, Clemson, South Carolina. Those are good examples. There's not much else there. So it's like when it's the weekend of a game, it's like that's what it's, that's why everybody's there. That's what's going on. It's just, it's fun. I'd recommend it uh, highly. So do that. And um, I love it. You won't regret it. I love it. it, Great recommendation. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, We certainly appreciate it. We continue to hear from folks. Uh, we travel around or as we talk to folks about different episodes that they enjoy or topics that we touched on or feedback. And that's great. I, you know, it's, it's the way that we know that stuff we're doing is of interest. Uh, but if you've got ideas, people we should talk to, topics we should cover, et cetera, reach out to us, let us know. So we certainly appreciate it. Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. We'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.